Welcome to the Grow and Learn podcast. This is Zorina, your host. Today I'm welcoming a person with a lot of experience in business development, in growing and exiting companies, an inventor, a mathematician, a person of um, wide scope and vision. I'm welcoming Paul Barron. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Hi, Zarina. Very nice to be here with you and your audience. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Thank you for joining. I'm always pleased to have people with uh, so much experience and uh, that have achieved so much in their lives because for sure you have interesting experiences and knowledge to share. Well, when you're 70 years old, you get a lot of experience. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully some of it is good. I don't think it's only uh, age bound. For sure, <laughs> you've had so much experience in terms of business and um, and and that's a part of the the conversation that I want to touch on, actually, you were initially a mathematician or a teacher in math in maths in high school. Correct. I, I always I always enjoyed mathematics and I always wanted to teach it. And uh, that was my first job out of college. I got a degree in mathematics, um, what we call a Bachelor of Science here in the United States in mathematics. And I got a teaching job right out of college. And so that was my first uh, career, and that was my choice. Um, I probably would be teaching today um, some 50 years later, because um, I really enjoyed the students and the, uh, and the environment of academia. Um, but I didn't like a lot of the rules and regulations and the administrative tasks. And I went into business very early on, and that took me away from teaching and led me on my current path, which has really lasted for some 50 years now. Wow, amazing. What was your first business that took you away from so, teaching? So um, I helped um, I helped my parents who tried to put me through college financially, and but I helped uh, beyond the good graces of my parents um, who took care of me in that regard. Um, I supplemented my financial needs during my college education by stringing tennis rackets for the university's athletic department. I was captain of the tennis team myself. I still play tennis, not nearly as good as I did back then, uh, but I still play today and uh, and I'm fairly competitive. But early on, um, I, I took on the task of learning how to string tennis rackets and I gained quite a following from that. And when I graduated college, I had built after three or four years, I had built quite, quite a number of customers who enjoyed what I did. And I had a friend who was not working at the time um, I was fortunate enough to get a job out of college teaching, which is what I had wanted to do. Uh, but I also then decided to open up a tennis sporting goods shop. And my friend was my partner in that. And he was the one who would be actively involved. I was kind of behind the scenes um, in it. But it was something that I thought there was a market that I had helped establish uh, of customers. And so we opened up a tennis specialty sporting goods store. And that shop grew from one to two to three stores over a couple of years. And it took more and more of my time and attention and passion because it was a business that was rooted in something I loved doing, uh, playing tennis, talking tennis. Um, and it expanded beyond just tennis rackets and stringing them to clothing and equipment and, and other, uh, other um, items. That, uh, and I learned more about business, about vendors, about customer relationships, about marketing, um, all these other things that I had no experience with 
prior to getting involved in this business venture. Um, and it grew to the point that I had to make a decision. Is this really what I wanted to do with my time, which was, it was taking a lot of it, um, or did I want to continue on the path with the teaching? And I chose the business route. And so I stopped teaching after three years um, and I went into business, uh, grew those stores to uh, th the three stores that I mentioned, um, and then found another passion and sold my interest in my tennis shops to my partner. And I went on to do other things. And that began <clears throat> kind of a in and out of business journey that has taken me pretty much to my current 71 years of age where I would work for people when I found that there were things I didn't know about business but wanted to learn more about. I would take a job, whether in sales or marketing or business development, which were the hats I enjoyed wearing most. And so that's what I gravitated towards, um, helping customers um, or helping businesses with either products or services identify their high value customers or partners, sometimes help with product development um, if I, saw some value to uh, what I could, 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 what I would be able to contribute in those processes of developing products or services to the point that it would be something marketable and identifying the customers who would in fact want to purchase that. And so that's really what I did for a, a good 40 years or so was working for companies until I learned something and then became passionate enough about it to wanting to open up a business of my own, either doing something similar or just taking the knowledge that I had acquired and found something else that I could become passionate about. Um, Zarina, I developed a following um, in terms of businesses that wanted me to help them increase their sales by helping them find their customers in the United States or American markets. And you, you're in Austria right now. One of the mm -hmm. companies I represented was an Austrian baby bottle manufacturer who had a very innovative design, but wanted to really communicate and understand the American audience for it. And they hired me to help them find what customers, what retail stores um, would be uh, suitable partnerships and customers for them. Um, there was an Australian self-service dog wash that we have two dogs. We weren't fortunate enough to have children, my wife and myself. So our children are the four-legged variety. And so I am passionate about the dogs and we purchase a lot of things related to them. And so I found a self-service dog wash system that was manufactured in Australia, reached out to them, ended up importing that into the United States and helping that company grow to a point that I found a US manufacturer for it. And then I exited that, um, that relationship. Uh, there was a Russian software company that developed technology that wanted to understand the American audience better. And they hired me. That was a wonderful relationship that lasted 12 years um, from the year um, 1990 to about 2002. Um, and in between, I opened up a restaurant. I had my own software development company. I developed something. Um, that was the communication software solution that uh, was picked up by telephone manufacturers. Um, and so uh, so my journey went on and on. Um, generally, I was a hired sales person for these companies that I mentioned, the dog wash, the baby bottle manufacturer, the software company, and a Chinese headband headphone for children. All of these were companies that wanted me to help them in a sales process. But I always longed to have more control. 
um, more control of not only the customers, but if I saw something uh, in the product that I thought should be developed better um, or reach the market gap a little bit better, because nobody should be in any business um, or even think of being in a business or developing a product or service if it's not a solution to somebody's problem. So if I didn't find the right solution in these products I was representing, invariably I thought I could do it better and I would start creating a business around something. Um, but I retired about five years ago. I stopped working uh, because I basically was able to financially and I didn't know really what I wanted to do um, in terms of creating a new business opportunity at the time. And then once again, I was approached by a German company that had this vertical printing machine. Really cool machine, never saw anything like it before. It was a large, their product was a $70,000 machine that printed beautiful artwork onto walls, indoors or outdoors, um, on any surface, wood, glass, metal, tile, plastic, paper, didn't matter. Um, and I was fascinated by it and they wanted me to come work for them, but I wanted to own the company and own the product and no such opportunity was presented to me. So I stopped talking to them because I had vowed I wasn't going to work for anybody anymore um, because invariably I knew I would not be happy. So, but I love the product. And so I decided to do my homework and said, gee, here's something I had never seen before. I think of myself, well, I think of myself as a normal consumer. Some people might argue the normal part of that phrase. Um, but as a consumer, if I could find something that interested in me, that I can afford it, that presented a solution to some problem or need that either I had or my family had, or perhaps some uh, business that I was a trusted resource to, um, I would look more deeply into it and maybe even uh, find it as an opportunity for a business and build a business around it. So I decided to look into this vertical printing technology and see who else is doing it. Well, it turned out that the reason that German company contacted me is because this is a product that requires local support and training and um, parts um, and, and even some products um, that go into it, like the inks that it's used. All of these things needed to be local to the customer base. And so this German company had never really come across the palm, so to speak, to the United States with their market, unless they could establish a presence there. And that's what they tried to do through me. Uh, but again, I, I didn't like the business deal that was presented to me. So I found out that there was a Chinese company that was actually the originator of this technology. Um, and they built a machine that was apples to apples, as good, if not better, than the German manufactured product. And this is no disrespect to anybody in your audience with German heritage. I drive a BMW. Um, I cook with Henkel knives. I value a well-engineered product. Um, but just because something says made in Germany doesn't mean it should cost $70,000 when I discovered that a comparable product with even more features and better quality uh, was half the price. Um, and that's not just because it's manufactured in China. It's really mainly because of the uh, technology and the uh, machining and the cost of production there was less expensive. Um, and so with that in mind, I did my homework and I found out that there were only five companies that made these machines. I dismissed three of them because they weren't very um, high quality 
and they weren't capable of really supporting a business that wanted to use them day in and day out to make money. So I started the courtship, if you will, with the Chinese manufacturer, ended up buying into that company. Today, I co-own three patents. Time frame wise for your benefit of your audience, I'm talking 2019, 2020, when I started this business. Um, now, three years later, uh, we have 120 customers in Canada, the United States, Central, South America, and Mexico, and the Caribbean, which are all markets that I own exclusively um, to manufacture and sell this product. Um, and we now have to actually have a floor printer too, uh, which prints horizontally images on floors in um, any, any kind of a business or um, garage space or bottom of a swimming pool, um, any kind of an artwork. Uh, but ultimately, these are printing machines. And my audience are customers, entrepreneurs themselves, who want to go ahead and start a business in their local community, delivering wall art in schools, hospitals, homes, medical offices, restaurants, any building, indoors or outdoors, you can put an artwork just like the one if your audience has the benefit of video. This is a wall printing behind me that my, my office staff printed because they wouldn't give me an office with a window in it. So we had to wall paint one. And uh, that's a, a five foot by eight foot. I apologize to your audience. I'm metric challenged, but it's a little bit less than two meters high and a little bit less than three meters wide. Um, it took us two hours to print this. It has about $20 US of inks inside of it because inks cost about two about uh, $5 per square meter um, or 50 cents per square foot. And uh, it's just a wonderful business. Uh, people are very successful delivering this. Uh, very high margin profit. Um, and we offer exclusive territories because when people raise their hand and want to kind of take the risk on something new and innovative, we reward them by letting them be the exclusive operators. We're not a franchise. Uh, we don't reach into our customers' pockets for royalties um, or demand that they use the wall printer name. They come up with their own company, their own website, their own marketing. We just support them with the machines, the training, the inks, the supplies, everything they need to be successful day in and day out. I'll take a breath and let you ask me a question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I was storing questions. I'm hoping that I'm not going to forget them all. Um, so firstly, let's, um, I will rewind back to the story of the first business, the stringing of the tennis rackets. I remember very well when I was in business school that this was one business case Probably a lot of people don't remember it, but I noted back then that it was a very profitable business. And the story of somebody actually successful began exactly as you had described with stringing tennis rackets. So that's very interesting. <clears throat> now, my question was, um, okay, you sold this business. How did people start finding you? How did you promote? How did you um, build a name for yourself and a following? How did they discover what you're capable of doing. So I'll answer that using the two examples of the starting of a business as I did, because I already had a following. So there was word of mouth, there was referrals. Uh, once people who knew me already for three years, I was stringing the community of tennis players. So they learned, they knew who I was. Uh, when I opened up the business, they were aware of it. 
Um, they, in turn, when I started selling sneakers and tennis rackets and then other types of sport, sporting goods and clothing over the years that that business was growing, then we began expanding that market base through word of mouth, did very little advertising. Now let's fast forward 50 years to the wall printer. Here I was, possibly not the smartest kid on the block, um, so to speak. Um, there's lots of analogies, the sharpest tap room or whatever you want to call it. Uh, when I started this business in late 2019, I made a considerable investment because I just love the technology and I did see a market gap. I saw this as a solution to a problem. There were very limited ways that people could put artwork on walls. Um, there are vinyl stickers, there's, there's hand-painted artists and muralists, and uh, you could do a framed photograph or a framed picture or wallpaper. But those are very limited ways to put on on walls. So I, th I thought that this was something that could could be a substantial opportunity. Um, but how to make people aware of it? Just like you asked very correctly, Zarina, here's a product that nobody's ever seen or heard about before, unlike tennis rackets or sporting goods, uh, unlike hamburgers or I apologize that I don't know the great foods in Austria, um, but uh, coffee shops. Uh, <laughs> so, so there aren't there aren't many places that that sold this type of machine. It wasn't like plumbers or lawyers where you could see many of these types of business businesses or service providers. So uh, we had to let people know what it's all about and find out who wants it, who who thinks they can make money with it who has the money to invest in a 30, 40, $50,000 investment, which is what the capital requirements are to be in this business. And so we use social media. My short answer, usually I'm very long-winded, I apologize, but uh, the short answer to your question is uh, early on when we started this business, the reason I said I wasn't the smartest kid in the block to do this in 2019, when I got my first shipment of machines from the manufacturer in 2020, in January, and the world stopped in January of 2020, right when I'm sitting here with a substantial six-figure investment in the territory I acquired and the machines I acquired, and they're all in Chinese, I have to translate them to English and Spanish and French and Portuguese all the markets that I'm servicing. Um, I had to build a team around it. And so while people were laying people off when COVID started and people were working remotely, I built up my business and built up my team and I invested in the future. And so most of that investment was in, uh, outside from the personnel, out, uh, most of my investment was in Facebook and YouTube and my website and Instagram and Reddit and all the ways in TikTok and all the ways that you could communicate to somebody who is online, remote, who can't come and actually visit with us and see the machines in action or go down the street and see it because it didn't exist anywhere. But that's what we did for 10 months until we got our first customer in August of 2020. And then people started traveling a little bit mostly in the United States on the East Coast, where our office is located in North Carolina, which is why we have most of our early customers from Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, Virginia, the states that are closest to us, the geographic areas for your audience that's closest to us. But now, three years into it, we have 120 customers across all of Canada, the United States, Mexico, South America, and the Caribbean. Um, and we're growing by one to two new customers every week. And it's all been done so far. No trade shows, 
um, no TV, no printed ads or billboards, uh, just strictly social media marketing. And then people would have a Zoom call with me, like the, we're having today, um, to understand and actually see the printers in action. Or now they come and visit with us. They see it. They look at it. They see something printed. They learn a little bit more about it and about us and the company that can support them. And then they decide to make an investment. Mm-hmm. What kind of venues or uh, private customers want the final product? So our customers fall into two buckets. Um, and it's a great question. There are people who have the capital, um, and I call it time, talent, and treasure. Um, they have the time to look at something new and innovative or to create a business or to own a business. They have the time to explore what's right for them. They have the talent to either do it themselves because they like the technology and maybe they want to be a one-person shop to actually manage the printer and do the printing themselves, or they have the talent to hire people and manage people and grow a business. Um, And then they have the treasure, the money to invest in something, uh, the capital to support not only the purchase of the machines, but that's only one aspect of being in business. You know, you have to feed your family. You have to do your local marketing. You have to uh, have a, a transport vehicle to move the machine from point A to point B to service your customers. Um, so there's a lot of other expenses too, not just the cost of a machine. And that's the same in any business at all. Nobody goes into the restaurant business because they can afford to buy an oven. You have a lot of other expenses involved as well um, without going into the details. Um, so so that's half of our customers. All of our customers kind of, fit those three, they consider those three aspects of the time it takes, the talent it takes, and the investment it takes. And then they fall into two different buckets. One is the startup entrepreneur who has no business or no business background, no printing background. They just see this as something that they could really get passionate about. And they see a need for it in their community and they're willing to market it. They're willing to invest in it and do it themselves or hire people. And so that's half of our customers. The other half are what I call businesses of adjacency. They're photographers, they're artists, they're muralists, they're interior decorators, they're home renovation companies or contractors, uh, people who will build out homes or offices or restaurants, um, schools. Um, These are the businesses that can use the machines themselves for either added revenue or to reduce their costs of artwork. Schools are a great example. They spend a lot of money on murals, on their athletic fields, inside their schools, or they could just use the machines as a teaching tool um, for technology or for art. And so there are there are businesses of adjacency, as I've just described. That's half of our customers and people who just see this as a cool startup and an opportunity and they want to build a business. Very interesting. Is there a restriction to the width or, or the height of the printed murals or can you actually move the vertical printer? So it moves automatically as it prints any width, any height, but you are restricted by the size of the printer to print within a standard room and you're limited by ceiling heights or walls. It is not, there are, there are, there are limitations of a wall printer versus other sources of art on walls like wallpaper or an artist who could fill up the entire wall. A wall painting is something similar to what you see behind me. It needs about uh, a little bit less than 
uh, a third of a meter, a um, little bit less than one foot on each side and top and bottom. Um, but it is what it is. It's designed just like the picture behind you, which is very pretty. It's designed to be wall art. It's not to be um, fill up a wall like a vinyl sticker will do or wallpaper will do. If somebody wants that, you can hire an artist to do more painting around it. But generally, it's wall art. And it could be used for signage. You could print the menu of a restaurant on a glass door or a window. Or you could print people's names on their offices. You could use it for signage or you could use it for um, for paintings and art on walls. Um, but there are limitations. But there's no limitation to height if you think of a window washer on a large building or a skyscraper. Um, you, you have to lift the, the printer, which weighs 150 pounds. You have to, um, which uh, again, apologies, um, I guess that would be about 50 kilograms, um, somewhere around that area, 50 kilograms. Um, you can bring the printer up to each level, just like a window washer would print on different floors on a skyscraper. And the technology that is in our wall printers lets you what we call stitch images, one on mm -hmm. top of the other. And so you can go and build an, a print, uh, an image, you know, 10 meters, 20 meters, 30 meters high. It makes no difference. Um, mm -hmm. But but there's a lot of other costs associated with that, with buying um, or built or renting scaffolding, uh, as we call it, um, and uh, being able to lift the printer up. Uh, width wise, the printer can go any width at all. Again, as long as there's no obstruction. Um, it doesn't go around anything. It, it needs a wall. And as you see the wall behind me, it doesn't have to be a smooth wall. Uh, mm -hmm. There's all kinds of grout in here, uh, which, again, I don't know what the term for all of your audience is, but the grout, which which holds together bricks and block, concrete blocks, mm -hmm. um, it's a very rough surface. So it doesn't have to be smooth. Um, it, could, it, could re it could print into recesses, um, but it doesn't go around something. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about your direct clients, all the entrepreneurs that are just starting businesses or that want to expand their business with uh, with this printer. What is their average return on investment after a specific time period, so, let's say one year so, or two years? So our customers, there's no limit to what they could make depending on how much they want to work and also how many printers they have. A single printer can break even in 12 to 18 months on the cost of a printer. Um, I will say that, you know, if they're for a thirty to $50,000 investment in printing and ink and all of that kind of stuff, the equipment itself, the return can be pretty quick. Um, I mean, an image like this, all the costs for labor, for ink, for the time it takes, has about $220 US um, in this image. And our, print, our customers typically get back about $800 to do a wall print of this size. So it's about a three or four to one return on their costs for doing a wall printing, for providing the service uh, to somebody. Um, and again, that's just one example. Uh, if you have larger prints or you have multiple prints in one building, uh, there's less travel costs, of course. So your return might be higher. Um, but generally, um, a customer can print, you know, this image right here would take two hours to print, but depending on travel time, and setup time and everything else, maybe you could do one to two of these a day um, if you wanted to, but it depends on which would be a return of, for, of about $1,000 on a daily basis. But most printers are going to print maybe three to four images like this per week. So it's a, it's a good six figure, as we call it in the US, a six figure income 
uh, for people who want to do this regularly. Now, some of our customers, in, in full disclosure, and to be perfectly honest, some of our customers, as I described, this is an add-on to their existing business. So they only do it part-time, or they only do it for some of their customers. So they don't make a lot of money from it, and it takes longer to get the return on investment. But still, every print is profitable. Yeah, I understand. So it's uh, the way I understand it, it's more profitable for adjacent businesses or more often used for adjacent businesses that are just adding on. Oh, uh, yeah, that. But the people who make the most money are the ones who do it full time. That's uh -huh. their only business if, yeah. or, or an adjacent business. But that has somebody who is marketing it and can get enough jobs to keep the printer going day in and day out. And mm -hmm. so uh, the more the printer is used, the more money you make. Very simple. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. more marketing you do, uh, this is a marketing type of business. You have to just make people aware of it. There's certainly no limitation to the number of walls in any community. If you think of the potential areas that can benefit from having wall art, residential customers, apartments, homes, businesses, restaurants, as I mentioned earlier, schools, doctor's offices, there's no limit to the walls that are there, indoors or outdoors. You just have to market this properly. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you provide any support to the entrepreneurs in terms of uh, um, sales practices or you know your learnings on being an entrepreneur multiple times before? Certainly. Well, uh, first and foremost, we provide the training and support that our customers need. The machines, because they are commercial machines, have a warranty associated with them. If anything is defective, we replace that. That comes with the machine, a one-year warranty. And they also get unlimited technical support from our team to learn how to do anything, or to take on a job when a customer asks them something, or they have a certain type of an image that the customer wants uh, created, um, and maybe it's not the right format that our printer wants, how to convert it, or how to use graphics arts um, to do that. Um, these are all ways for our customers to make more money. But as far as um, marketing, we provide a lot of content, a lot of videos, a lot of images. But again, as I mentioned early on in our conversations, Zarina, this isn't a franchise. We don't dictate to them how they should market, but we do give them all the fuel they need, so to speak, in terms of content, videos, images, um, the same thing we use to introduce this to people, they can use to introduce what a wall printer does to provide art in their local communities. And then it's up to them. to. We don't teach them how to use Facebook. We don't teach them how to use YouTube, but we can give them the content for them to do that locally. Mm -hmm. I understand. All right. So you're, you're known as um, a sales expert and one of the... Uh, one of the things that you are helping people with is how to sell in today's business environment, the new rules of selling. Hmm. How have the rules changed? Why are they new? <laughs> so that's, that's the title of a, of a class that I teach at the local university here in North Carolina. Um, each year to the sales and marketing students at the local business university, um, I've been asked to teach this class on what I've called the new rules of selling. And it basically is about what I've talked about already in terms of using social media, using the, using the ability that we have to communicate with people today because of the way people buy. The way people buy have changed over decades. Used to be if you wanted to buy a car or you wanted to go to a restaurant, 
you'd either have to go or you'd have to ask somebody who's been there and get their opinion and then decide. Or if you want to read a book or go to see a movie, you found somebody who did that. Um, or maybe you saw an ad on television or something like that. But today, whereas everything was kind of pushed on to you, the consumer, today the consumer has control. You have access to all this information. You can go online and you could find out what other people are saying about a restaurant or about a movie or about a book or about a product or about a wall printer. You could find out, are they making money doing it? Are they, uh, what are their customers like? Um, what is the job involved? Um, you can learn all of this stuff so that the only real decision you have to make is, do you want it? Can you afford it? And are you ready to buy it? Um, that's really what it's all about today. Uh, the rules have turned around where it used to be all about selling something and and just a little bit of marketing. And now today, it's all about the marketing of something. And then the selling process has really been very, is very limited. The buyer, by the time they go into that car dealership, and they've already decided what kind of car they want, what color it's going to be, what are the options they want, uh, what's the price they want to pay because they've searched that. And all of that is done ahead of the time that the actual vendor uh, talks to the consumer. Um, so that's what I call the new rules of selling. And just like you used to talk to people on the phone or you used to get direct mail um, and flyers or newsletters or advertisements, today the vehicle is comments. Um, you go onto Facebook or Instagram or onto a review on the web. And if you want to know something about something, you insert a comment. You ask the question by typing in something and somebody responds to you, hopefully, and gives you the answer um, or gives you some further direction. So communication is still important, but it's not as verbal as it used to be. I personally think that there's still nothing that replaces face-to-face -face communications, which is why we entertain a lot of people who come and visit us at our warehouse and factory here in North Carolina. But still, travel is limited these days, especially since COVID came around um, and also the cost of travel. So a lot of people do just what we're doing. They have these types of communications and they buy something just by virtue of doing their own online homework and having conversations and then determining whether or not is this the type of person, is this the type of business that I want to invest in or I want to do business with. And th those are the new rules and the way that uh, people interact with one another today. Um, ultimately, you want to be a trusted resource to somebody, unless you're some kind of a scam artist. Um, you want to be the person uh, or the business that does what you say you will do. You'll deliver a reliable quality product. You'll support it. You'll train people how to use it. You'll be there when they have questions. And that's the type of business that will be successful ultimately as it's always been. And um, Paul, you're also doing uh, consulting for companies for uh, growth and exit strategies. Are you still doing this? And where are you taking this business? Well, so I don't do what, that what as a business. What is your future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that used to be a revenue resource or revenue generating business for me to do consulting, if you will. Uh, but I don't do that anymore, um, just as I don't do um, commission sales jobs anymore. Um, what I do is I give back. Um, at the local university, I sit on the advisory board of its local business school, which is called the Cameron School of Business. 
um, and there's a Center for Innovation of, and Entrepreneurship uh, that is run here in Wilmington that takes people who have ideas, who may have questions about their existing business or ideas about a business they want to start or a product they want to develop, whether it be software or an actual um, uh, hard product, um, uh, and they ask for advice. And the hats that I wear, um, which is advice that I give, I don't talk about um, finances, I don't talk about legal matters or patents, um, I talk about identifying the right customers and trying to um, help people decide on what kind of vendor relationships they may want and how to find them, uh, how, what might help their product development. Uh, but then engaging other people like me in the community who also participate in these uh, vehicles, um, the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the university um, to uh, allow people to uh, talk with us and meet with us and uh, and air their concerns or questions. And then we try to give them some type of input, advice, direction, um, and help them along their, their own journey. Um, or if it's an existing business, helping them expand their markets, find new markets, things like that. And I enjoy doing that. And I do that on a volunteer basis. That's In fact, great. right now, my company has kind of a combination of everything we've talked about and the great questions you've asked, Serena. We have just been awarded the um, what's called the Coastal Entrepreneur Award for Manufacturing and Distribution here in Wilmington, which is a, uh, which is a, a prestigious award, hundreds of applicants, and they pick um, one for, um, for each category, a category being manufacturing and distribution, which is what the wall printer has won. There are others who are in software development. There are others that are in nonprofits um, and in food service. Um, and, and there are 11 different categories. And then at the end of this month, on May 31st, there's going to be a, a breakfast, which is going to pick one of the 11, of which we are one of the 11, um, that is going to win the overall Coastal Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And we're hopeful that we might win that, but regardless, it's it, it's been great recognition of what we've done, not only for my own business and my employees and my customers and my vendors and my family, but also for the families and customers of our customers, because that's really what we're all about is creating those business opportunities for other people to realize their financial hopes and dreams. Well, congratulations on, on the on the part selection. And uh, where can people vote for you if they decide to support you for this award? Well, they can't, they can't vote for me, but I'm always happy to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, the voting is already done. It's out, ah, of, it's my, already. It's out of my okay. hands. So, so my mother and my wife, they can't add any more votes to it. Um, nor, <laughs> nor can your audience as much as I, as much as I appreciate the offer. Um, but people can connect with me. If they want to learn more about the wall printer, they can go to our website, thewallprinter.com. But this certainly wasn't, I enjoy talking to you and your audience. This wasn't a sales pitch for my uh, wall printing business. But if people want to learn more about it, they can. Thewallprinter.com is our website. But if they want to connect with me, they can go to LinkedIn. Um, again, not an advertisement for LinkedIn, but it is a good professional network where people all around the world can connect with one another. And if people want to talk with me or open up a line of communication, I'm always happy to do that. Okay, great. I always like to end my conversations uh, not by the not by giving uh, contact details, but by giving yet another um, juicy thing for for our listeners. 
So <laughs> could you give us something that is um, that they can remember you by? Like what are, for example, um, some of the some of the principles that you use to select the perf the perfect customer? Well, you know, I'm going to answer that a little bit differently than the question the way you asked it. Um, uh, I'm often asked what's a favorite business book or something that that I've that I've heard about or that I've read about and that you know what is what is somebody that, somebody or something that I look up to that's kind of carried me through. Um, I believe any business, just like personal relationships, are all about the connections you make with people. And somebody gave me a long time ago a book. Everything I ever really needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. And that might not be the exact title, but that's enough of it that people could find it. It's a small book, um, but it basically says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Um, mm -hmm. Be nice, you know, um, eat good, take a nap every day, um, enjoy, uh, enjoy the journey, um, you know, be good to people. Um, and, and if you're good, you'll get back good. Um, and that's always been the case. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of trite phrases out there, you know, be nice to the people you see on the way up because they're going to be the same people you see on the way down. Mm. Um, it's all about connecting with people about, again, I like being a trusted resource. I give, I give advice and I talk to people more about things that have nothing to do at all with my current business or that might benefit me in any way financially or otherwise, but you never know who you're going to talk to. Talk to anybody, give of yourself, you'll get back double, triple, quadruple, whatever you give out. And that's the only advice I can give to anybody about anything. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this advice. It really rings true to me <laughs> and I'm sure to anybody else. I mean, there's so many rules out there, but in the end, life, life's rules are quite simple and you managed to summarize it pretty well. So once again, people can find you on thewallprinter.com. That is oh, correct. What is the name? That's correct. The, that is correct. Thewallprinter.com. Um, and again, connect with me on LinkedIn if you'd like. Thank you so much. Paul Barron. Thank you, Zarina. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.